chapter number 22, 1 Samuel chapter number 22, and then also holding your place in 1 Samuel chapter number 22, uh, you can hold your place in Psalm 57, Psalm 57, uh, we'll make our way there uh, at some point as well here in just a few moments, okay? 1 Samuel chapter number 22, as you come to the beginning of this chapter, you'll find that uh, David has found himself in an in, in unfamiliar territory. Uh, he's found himself on the run, and uh, you come to chapter number 21. At the very end of chapter number 21, you're familiar with some of these statements that are found and some of the things that are being said. But in verse number 11 of chapter number 21, the Bible says, that "...the servants of Achish said unto the land, uh, unto him, is not this David the king of the land?" Did they not say one thing to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And as you go and you continue to walk through, you'll find in chapter number 22, as it starts out, that David has found himself in a cave. And in this cave, the Bible says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Now here in a few moments we're going to come to a phrase that is found in chapter number 22, verse number 3. And we're going to park there for the evening. But as you come to chapter number 22, the first couple of verses kind of give us a little bit of insight into what's going on. Psalm 57 gives us a little bit of insight into the spirit, the countenance if you would, the mindset or what is going on in David's heart and in his life that is being illustrated in that psalm. Chapter number 22 here, 1 Samuel, verses 1 and 2 help us to see that he's uh, gone to the cave of Adullam. And in this cave, David has found himself in a very uncomfortable place for some time. And, and David is learning some things from the Lord. David is being taught some things. David is coming to the end of himself and coming back to the Lord, if you would. The Lord had been caring for him and helping him and shielding him and showing him some things that he needed to be reminded of. And sometimes in our own lives, we are all familiar with this place that David has found himself in, a place where the Lord takes us and begins to remind us of some things that maybe we had forgotten. David had been reminded of some things that for some time David was one who was relying upon his own strength, relying upon himself and what he could do because David was a man's man. David was a warrior. David wasn't just a, uh, an individual that was a shepherd boy. David was one who was willing to fight, was willing to put his life on the line. At many times David could take care of something in and of him, his own strength. And he was able to do those things, but at the same time he rested in the Lord, which is why he was able to do those things. Now he's come to a place where he doesn't quite understand why Saul is so angry with him, why Saul is, is trying to seek his life, why Saul is angry with David when David wasn't the one who said Saul is slain his thousands and David is tens of thousands. That wasn't him that said that. And he was always there for Saul. He was always just wanting to be a blessing. As I was talking just a couple of days ago to Brother Sean, one of the things that we were talking about was the leadership meeting. And one of the things that I've tried to remind myself is that we, we all ought to be desiring to grow in our, in our leadership. Every single one of us here is a leader to someone. And whether you want to be or not, someone is looking to you in your life and saying, hey, that person is an example that I follow. That is an individual that I follow. I look at their lifestyle. I look at the way that they handle things. I look at the things that they say. I look at all of their life, and that is someone that I'm looking up to. 
And some of the greatest leaders in history, if you were to go and you were to study history out, some of the greatest leaders in, 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 in politics, some of the greatest leaders in history concerning the decisions that have been made for this nation, some of the greatest leaders uh, concerning from the athletic standpoint of the ball field or the ball court or whatever, they were first great followers before they were ever great leaders. You see, to be a great leader, you must first be a great follower. And if you desire to be a great leader being used of the Lord, then, hey, you know who you should start following? The Lord himself, being a great follower of the Lord. David was exactly that. That's why David doesn't understand. He was always willing to just be used and do whatever the Lord had. He was there for Saul. He wanted to be a blessing to Saul. He wanted to be a help to Saul. He just wanted to, to be what he could be. And so now you come to chapter number 22. The Bible says, And David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dulam. And it's in this cave where the Lord begins to reveal some things to David and begins to remind him of some things or, I would say, strengthen him in some areas. You see, our Lord is the one, and in this area, and this is what David, as you go and you study Psalm 57 and you study the life of David, you'll find that in this cave here, it was David that was facing sorrow, and the Lord had turned his sorrow into peace and his trouble into trusting in the Lord once again. His despair was been, had been replaced by depending on the Lord once again, and his confusion and all of what's going on had all of a sudden been replaced with a purpose and perception as he began to see things for what they needed to be seen for. All of that was being done in David's life at this present time. You come to chapter number 22, verse number 3, and the Bible says, And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hole. Chapter number 22, verses 1 and 2 begin to reveal to us where David was and what was taking place in his life. He was uh, beginning to lead some people as they find out where he is. And the Bible tells us in verse number 2 that whenever they heard that everyone that was in distress, notice what was taking place in their life at this very moment. They were in distress. They were in debt. They were discontented. All of that was going on in these individuals' lives. And it's, it's very interesting, and I've had to ask myself this question. I asked this question tonight. If God saw fit to make you a leader in one of the, the most difficult times in your own life, would you be up to the challenge? If, if God saw fit to say, hey, I need you to do something amazing. I need you to work and to, to serve me and do a great work right here. Would you be up to it, even though if you were struggling right to your, your own very moment? David was struggling. He, he's trying to wrap his mind around what is going on at this very time. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was disconnected gathered themselves unto him. And notice what it says. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. In the most difficult times of your own life, are you willing to leave? That's really whenever it's kind of like a parent. Uh, you might be you might be in a, a season of life where you're struggling, and let's just take a, a parent and a child's uh, role here, and the child all of a sudden becomes ill, not feeling well. Well, guess what a parent does? A parent sets aside their own concerns for that moment and says, "Hey, it's not about me right this very moment. It's about my child. It's about this individual. It's about this one that I love. That's what it's about." And in David's life, I kind of picture he's going through some things himself, and all of a sudden he begins to lead what the Bible says in verse number 2. It says, Gathered themselves on him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. 
So David here, we're getting a picture of what's going on. Go with me, if you would, for just a moment, Psalm 57. In Psalm 57, you get a little bit of what's going on as well in, in, in that his mindset, if you would, his spirit, his countenance. David, the Bible says at the very beginning, at the top of Psalm 57, to the chief musician, he goes on and says, when he fled from Saul in the cave. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me. For my soul thirst, uh, trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. Under these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God the Most High, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions, and I lie even among them. That are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue sharp uh, as a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down, and they have digged a pit before me in the midst whereof. They are fallen themselves, Selah. Verse number 7. My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto, the, unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great under the heavens, and thy truth under the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. You get a little insight into what's taking place. It's always one of those things, it's kind of a situation that we've all endured before whenever you might be going through something. And to appease the, the, the people that are asking you the question, how are you doing, you tell them, I'm fine. But in your own mind, you have some things that you're thinking. You have a, a way of maybe processing things and getting through things. And there are certain ways in which people do that. Some people, whenever they're going through a difficult season, they are uh, more uh, closed off, if you would, to themselves. Uh, some people are more uh, what you would say. They, 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 they're going to tell you what's taking place and how, what's going on in their life. And maybe in not necessarily a, a feel bad for them way, but maybe they're seeking the counselor. Maybe they're wanting you to know how to pray for them or whatever the case might be. But there, there, there are different types of ways in which people handle things. And David here reveals in Psalm 57 of what's going on even in the midst of what's taking place here. Notice with me, though, in verse number 3 what the Bible says. And David went thence to Mizpah, chapter number 22, once again, 1 Samuel, of Moab. And he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you. Notice this statement. Till I know what God will do for me. Now David is one, if you were to go and you were to kind of look at his past. This is a very interesting statement, to know what God will do for me. David's found himself in the cave. He's, he's obviously fearing Saul, and he's fearing why Saul is after him. But this is the, the same David who stood up before the giant, and, and as the giant began to mock God, he said, Is there not a cause? And in this moment of standing against the giant, David wasn't saying, Let me see what God will do for me. No, he was thinking, What will God do in me and through me? 
In that moment, he wasn't saying, hey, let's just see what God will do for me. No, no, no. He was the one standing right there in the midst of the giant and standing there looking at him saying, hey, you just watch what's going to take place. Watch what God is going to do through me. Hey, I've killed the the, the bear and I've killed the, the lion and I've done all of these things. Watch what God will do in and through me. But David's found himself in a very unfamiliar position where he almost feels helpless. You ever felt helpless before? In such a way where you were in an unfamiliar territory of really just not knowing what to do. You didn't have an answer. I've been there before where where I was, I'm one, as I've shared before, I like to be one who is a solutionist. But I've been stumped many, many times. Where I was standing in the midst of a situation and saying, I just don't know what to do. But Cyrus, working in, in houses, there's probably been some times whenever you were looking at something, I say sometimes, maybe a rare occasion, but you might have been looking at something and saying, I just can't wrap my mind around it. I just don't know. There, there are times whenever you might be looking at something, you're working on your home, and you're, you're trying to figure out how to, to make something work or whatever, and you're, you're just stumped. Just the other day, we were sitting in our living room, and... and uh, we, my, my in-laws had stopped in to see us for a couple of days, and we're sitting there, just the four of us kind of talking, and we're sitting in the living room, and all of a sudden my TV just stops working. Listen, y'all, we got the national championship tomorrow. That can't happen. And so I'm sitting there. This is Tuesday, I think, at the time. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, what just happened? So I go over there, and I press the little button. I'm standing there in front of the TV. Nothing happened. We've got three little red blinking lights. I mean, the power is, is on. So I, I Google it. I don't have a clue what to do. I've pressed the reset button. I've turned the power. I, I, I've done it all. So I, I Google, okay, what do you do when this happens to your TV? Typed in the exact uh, TV that we had and everything. Followed the directions. Didn't turn on. I'm thinking, y'all, this is not good. I was stumped. I mean, I, and so for the next day or two, I'm just sitting there Googling, okay, how do you get this? What do you do here? What do you do there? Stumped. Didn't have a clue. So I had to convince Miss Kelly to let me go and buy a new TV. <laughs> and so I did. But I've been stumped a couple of times. In, in, in serious ways. That's a, that's a kind of a humorous way. But I've been stumped sometimes where I was thinking, what, what is going on? And I picture David at times, and especially in this situation right here, he's, he's thinking, what is going on? I'm stumped. There's nothing that God can do in me to, to, to help Saul not be angry with me. There's nothing that God can do through me right there. He, he doesn't, he, he's, Lord, I just need you. And so notice what he says right here in verse number three. He says, till I know what God will do for me. I believe this was a very uh, serious time in David's life, one where he was being taught a lesson and a lesson that we can all learn. There are going to be seasons in life where we are going to know exactly what to do and we'll say, hey, Lord, I, I know how to soul win, but Lord, I desire that you would work through me in this matter. There are going to be times whenever you are going to know that, that God has something for you and for you to do and you'll say, I can't wait to see what God does in me during this time. But there are also going to be times in your life whenever you're stumped and you're saying, God, I can't wait to see what you will do for me because I can't do anything. And David here finds himself in a situation where he is saying, till I know what God will do for me.
Can I ask you this question? And we'll get to it here in just a few moments. But if I were to ask you this question, what has God done for you? What are some things that might come to your mind? Oh, I've got a list right here that I'm going to share with you that he's done for all of us here in a few minutes. But as you sit there and you think, what has God done for me? Personally in your life, what has God done for you? In verses 3 and 4, you begin to see that David has a request, and that request is found at the very beginning. He says, let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. David's reliance in this situation was not upon himself. He couldn't handle the situation. He couldn't do it. He could not protect his parents like he needed to. And so in this exact situation, he begins to display what we would say would be honoring your parents by his attitude and his actions. Can I share with you children tonight, one of the greatest things you can do is honor your parents through your actions and through your attitude. It's a biblical model. It's a biblical principle that you can do. As you go and you begin to see what God is doing in David's life and how God is using David to care for his parents, the Bible says again in verse number 3, let my father and my mother, he's in harm's way. Listen, Lord, I need you to take care of my, my parents. Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. So I ask you this question this evening. What has God done for you? I have a list I'll share for you, just a, a general list that we can all praise the Lord for this evening. Number one, what has God done for us? Well, God died for us. Praise the Lord. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hey, praise God that he has died for us. What is, if you ever ask that question, you ever, you know, there, there have been times whenever you might be talking to someone and, and someone might say something or you've seen this before, but someone looks at someone and says, hey, what have you ever done for me? Have you ever seen that before? Maybe you've seen it on a TV show or a movie or even in real life. If someone looks at it, what have you ever done for me? You'll never be able to say that for the Lord. What has he done? He's died for you. Man, you ever just sit back and just reflect on your salvation? You ever just sit back and just think, you know, how, how, how wonderful it is. Even on the worst of days, if you're saved, you're still better off than those who are lost. What a blessing. What has God done for me? He died for you. What has God done for you? He's giving us a hope. He's given us a hope. Colossians 1.5 says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. I'm thankful that whenever I read this portion of Scripture, till I know what God will do for me. But there are some things that because I already know what He's done for me, I have hope in knowing that He has more for me. You see, God has done some things in my own personal life. If I ask that question, what has God done for me? There are some things that I could, I could share for hours of what God has done specifically for me. And there are some things that you could share for hours of what God has done specifically for you. So what has God done for us? Number three, he's given us an inheritance. 1 Peter 1.4, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And there are some things that fade away like a sandcastle whenever you're on the beach and the water hits it. There are some things in our lives that fades away just like that. And there are also some things that you hold on dearly right this very moment that you're not going to be able to hold on to much longer because they will fade away. Man, I'm so thankful for that inheritance. That inheritance, the Bible says, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. What else has God done for us? He's cared for us. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What has God done for you? 
He's given me grace. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He's given me grace. What has God done for me? He's prayed for me. John 16, 26 says, At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. What has God done for me? He's preparing a place for me. John 14, verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where am I, there ye may be also. What has God done for you? I want to encourage you here in just a little while. We'll dismiss in a word of prayer. And as you go home, and maybe as you meditate on those, that question right there, what has God done for you? You know, there are some things that God has done for every single one of us. As a child of God, there are some things that we find in Scripture that we can rejoice in together. But as you go and you begin to reflect on what has God done for you, some of you have made some moves, those of you that are in the military, and God has provided every single station that you have been to. What has God done for you? Some of you have endured some hard times over the last 15, 20 years, or whatever the case might have been. In every single one of those hard times, you reflect and you look back in those times and you see God right in the midst of that thing, right in the midst. You say, God has done that for me. Some of you have been able to pray some hard things and watch God come through. What has God done for you? If you were to take a pen and a piece of paper and just write at the very top, what has God done for me? And start at the very top, what has God done? Don't just, don't just get generic on us now. What has God done for you? And you begin to go through and you begin to write what God has done for you. It'll remind you just how good God is. It really, you know, we don't have to wait till November to start thanking God for how good He is. You can start at the very beginning of the year and say, Lord, thank you for your goodness. As you go through and you begin to write all of those many things that God has done. And so David asked that question or made that statement, till I know what God will do for me. Psalm 57, if you would, for just a moment. Psalm 57. I want you to see what was going on in the heart of David in the midst of that season, in the midst of that situation that we see in 1 Samuel chapter number 22. And David reveals a couple of things to us that help us to understand that even though in 1 Samuel chapter number 22, he was wondering, what will God do for me? Notice what the Bible says again, verses 1 and 2, we see David's trust here. Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings. Will I make my refuge under these calamities, be overpassed? I will cry unto the God most high, unto God that performeth all things. Again, notice this, for me. For me. What a powerful reminder. David's trust is seen right here as he is no longer placing trust in himself. He's not even saying, hey, I've got this. I can handle this. I've handled the giant. I've handled the lion. I've handled the beast. I can handle Saul. I can handle the circumstance. No. See what God will do for me. Verse number 1 of this psalm right here, he says, My soul trusteth in thee. The soul speaks of that inner being. It's not just an outward expression. No, that's what's deep inside. My soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make refuge under these calamities. Verse number 2, he says, Unto God that performeth all things for me. David's trust is seen right here. 
And David's trouble as he is making reference to in verses 3 and 4 here, you begin to see on down truly some of the things that he is facing in David's trouble. In verses 3 on down to verse number 6, as the Bible says, He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that will swallow me up. He begins to see the traps that are being set out. It says in verse number 5, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me in the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. Selah. So you ask the question, what, what has God done for me? What has God in this moment done for David? You see at the very beginning David's trust. You see right there in the midst of David's trouble and the traps that had been set before him. Notice verse number 7. My heart is fixed. O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up my glory. Awake psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee. O Lord, among the people I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. The word fixed here means secured. It means anchored. As he says right here, my heart is fixed. My heart is anchored, O God. My heart is anchored. I will sing and give praise. We ask ourselves sometimes, and if you ask yourself occasionally, what has God done for Maybe you're praying right this very moment something and in the midst of the waiting you have to make this statement, I'm just going to keep praying until I know what God will do for me. And in the midst of that waiting, God is just trying to get you to see himself for who he is. I believe in this portion of Scripture and in 1 Samuel chapter number 22 that as David enters that cave, that it's a cave where God begins to do a little work in his life. And it's a cave that David needed to enter into because it's in that cave where David once again sees the Lord high and exalted again in his life. And sometimes in our own lives, we might go into that cave, a little uncomfortable, an uncommon place, an unfamiliar place where we're wondering, what will God do for me? And it's very easy for us to look for all the answers to the problems and say, okay, I need to, uh, God, I think you're showing me this for this. And I think, And that's what we're looking for. Can I encourage you sometimes not to look for all the answers to the problems that you're facing? But in the midst of you looking, just stop looking for all those answers because God might not be showing you the answers. He might be just trying to show you himself. And I believe wholeheartedly that David, in the midst of this cave right here, God said, just see me once again. See me once again. And in verse number 7 of Psalm 57, he says, my heart is fixed. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. We see David's triumph here. David learned a valuable lesson. Sometimes there will be seasons where you'll say, oh, I can't wait to see what God is going to do through me. Sometimes there will be seasons when you're going to say, oh, I can't wait to see what God is going to do in me. There's going to be other seasons where you'll find yourself saying, oh, I can't wait to see what God will do for me. And sometimes in the waiting to see what God will do for you, he might just say, hey, I'm not going to show you anything new, this newfound idea. I'm not going to show you, you know, you're looking for all these big things right there. Just look to me. I just want to show you myself. And in Psalm 57, we see that as he makes that statement, my heart is fixed. Oh, God, my heart is fixed. 
Verse number 11, Be thou exalted, O God. Above the heavens let thy glory be above all the earth. This evening as you come to the beginning of a new year, some of you were facing hard times maybe as you closed out 2021 and those hard times came with you in 2022. Just because it's a new year doesn't mean problems go away, does it, huh? But in the midst of the the new year, could I encourage you to reshape maybe the way that you are perceiving those problems? It's easy sometimes to look at the problems and see how big they are. And in those moments, sometimes we see how big the problems are, but we forget how big our God is. But instead of looking down or looking around at those problems, look up to how big God is, and you'll see just how small those problems are. Because the, the more you look to Him the more those problems begin to diminish because you have a spirit of God will take care of me. God will take care of it. I'm waiting to see what God will do for me. In the midst of that, hey, can I share with you, he'll just continue to reveal himself and it's amazing. It's amazing how whenever you start to see things in a different light because you're looking at God for who he is, that all of a sudden those problems don't seem so bad. Why? Because you know that God's not unaware of those problems. Matter of fact, he, he knew those problems were coming before they were ever there. He knew that mountain was coming before you ever saw it in your, in your distance. He knew all of those things. And so right now, you might be standing here saying, I'm going to wait until I know what God will do for me. Stop looking for all the big, bright lights and all these things to start clicking. And just say, Lord, the thing that you might be just wanting to do for me is just reveal yourself once again unto me. I think in 2022, and it's, it's, I'm trying to get into the habit of saying 2022 right this very moment, because in 2021 it was the same case, but we've almost brought it with us already into 2022 that we've forgotten who our God is. I look around and I see people as they, they were so excited about going into a new year because, hey, a new year, new me. Can I share with you, if God isn't in... Your, your mindset, if God isn't in your future, if God isn't in your plans for 2022, then new year, new me is not true. Same you, same you. That's what it is. It might be a new year, but it's the same you. You see, every single day ought to start with the Lord himself. As you think about this new year, new me mindset that some people have, we've forgotten that, hey, it's not about you. It's about him. If you want to be all that you can be, then give your life to the Lord. Say, Lord, I, 2022, Lord, it's not about me. Lord, I, I want my goals, my ambitions, all the things that I desire to do. Lord, if they aren't pleasing to you, Lord, take them off the sheet. And as we come to a new year, you might be right here in the midst saying, Oh, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in me. I believe the Lord's going to work. Oh, I can't wait to see what God's going to do through me. I believe He's going to do great things through every single one of us. If we yield ourselves to the Lord, there's no telling what God could do. Mark it down, there will come a time whenever you're at a crossroads and you're saying, I'm confused, I'm at a loss, and you're going to be saying, I'm just going to wait until I understand what God's going to do for me. And in that moment, it might just be that God's saying, don't look for the flashing red lights, don't look for all the new fads, don't look for all the answers to this and all that, just look to me. Hey, let's get back to 2020 year theme, looking unto Jesus. Just because it's a new year and we've taken a new theme to be given and we've come through and by His grace, or was that 2021 looking under Jesus? 2021. Tell you what, my years are all thrown off. By His grace was 2020, right? Is that what it was? 
Is that what it was? By his grace? Just, just look unto Jesus. And be given. And walk by his grace. Five years ago, it was a vision for the future. <laughs> so I can't, I don't even try to keep up with all of them anymore. But in a serious matter, as you go through every single day, ask the Lord, Lord, just show me you. I'll tell you what, people don't become a different person as far as the change that Christ has made just overnight or even because of something that they've accomplished. It's because they got alone with the Lord and said, Lord, show me yourself. Lord, I want to see you for who you are. And it's through that seeing the Lord for who he is that all of a sudden God began to change them. And they're unrecognizable, not because of what they've done, because of what he's done. And so as you come to this new year, you think about this. What has God done for me? I'll tell you what, you want to get stirred up? Go home and just start writing about what God's done for you. You'll be stirred up to go about tomorrow and tell somebody about what God's done for you. He died for you. Oh, he's given you a hope. There's some personal things that you could share and testimonies and talk about how God has provided every step of the way for your family or every step of the way for your, your personal prayer life. You prayed for some things and God answered. And don't take those things for granted. And don't minimize those things. You, you think about certain things that God has done and you say, oh, that, yeah, it was nothing. Oh, it was something. Now, hey, you say, oh, it was a small thing. God cares about the small things as much as he cares about the large things. He's a personal God. And we see that in the life of David. David makes the, this statement, until I know what God will do for me. Well, we know what God's done for us. I can't wait to see what God's going to do for us. We know some things that he's already done. I'm anticipating some things that he's going to do. Let's praise him for what he's done in each of our lives. Personally praise him for what he's done. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, you're such a wonderful and gracious God. We thank you for it. Lord, sometimes we can be an ungrateful people for what you've already done. And Lord, sometimes we're um, so caught up in looking ahead and, and we miss out on what you're doing right this very moment. And Lord, as David made that statement, till I know what God will do for me. I believe it was in that statement where God began to reveal himself to David in a mighty way. It was no longer about what David could do, it was what you had been doing. It was how you had been working, how you have been revealing yourself to David. And Lord, I know you desire to do a work in each and every single one of us. And Lord, before we ever can do, we must first be. And so Lord, help us to be what we need to be so that we can do what we need to do. I pray that you would draw us unto yourself. Lord, that you'd guide us and direct us in ways that we might not know. And Lord, that you would grow us in our faith through those things. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us. Lord, that you would be with us, Lord, right this very moment. Lord, if there's someone here tonight that is maybe in that season of not knowing they're confused and they're saying i'll wait till i know what god will do for me what would help us not to look around at trying to find solutions and answers to problems or situations but lord help us to look to you lord maybe there's one here tonight that's in a season where they're excited about what god will do in them and lord they're praying lord may we all be yielded and trusting you to work through us and in us I pray that you would do great and mighty things in 2022 that only you can do. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, that you'd guide us. Lord, help us to once again be a grateful and thankful people. Lord, as we ask that question, what has God done for me? 
Lord, I pray that you'd help us to ponder on it for a few moments and meditate on it and spend some time in prayer thanking you. We love you. We thank you for your goodness. Guide us and direct us now. We'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.